Say that the podcast for your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Gwen Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Not right now, I'm too busy. Okay, also joining us, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Hello, audience. I have all the time in the world for you. <laughs> got a little got a little Billy Dee Williams towards the end there. <laughs> so joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hey folks, what's up? We start off this week. With an emergency of serious proportion. Serious proportion. Proportion, possibly being the key word. We have a dispatch from our friends in Charleston, South Carolina, Dave and Lauren. Leaders of the, best we know, one and only Say That Small Group Mm. down there. But all is not well in Say That Small Group land. There's a problem. And that problem is... We're just too amazing. Oh, that's a great problem to have. I knew that was going to come up. It really comes up a lot in Glenn's <laughs> life. The problem, specifically from their end, spawned by our amazingness, no doubt about that, is that the Say That Small Group is on the risk of getting too darn big. Mm. They don't know what to do. That's the term similar. small group no longer applies. They don't want to lie to the people. So what you're saying is there's a small group that's a real thing. Yes. And they and it's like a campus ministry thing kind of thing. And they listen to the podcast and then discuss. We're getting toward the edge of my knowledge of the small group, but yeah, so far. And now it has it's out of control. Yes. That's the thing. It's grown to a point where one presumes the very earth can no longer contain it. Yes. Jed, normally we go to you for the hard science on the show, so when, you're, when Glenn says things like that, I'm comfortable with it, but when it's you, I get worried. Can you simply just say the Say That Big Group? I, I like that. The I Say That Arena Conference? Uh, you know, as you know, uh, I've been saying all along this should be a mega podcast. Well, that makes me wonder, should this be the small, the Say That Mega Group? I think that it has to be to say that mega group. I mean, well, uh, essentially, we're getting Dave and Lauren to do a lot of our ministry and we're not paying them. So that's kind of a mega model. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, um, uh, you know, I think what we've we've done is we've taken the the mega church model and applied it to small group. Absolutely right. You're welcome. You're f- well, so one presumes if they're splitting, then they now have multiple campuses. Sure. That's, one, that's what, certainly one popular solution. Okay. Then I presume that David is filming himself leading right. a discussion wow. yeah. and sure. then having it shown on big screen TV at the other lesser right. campus. Absolutely. Right. No doubt about it. Well, well now, then th- this makes me wonder. To really clear. broadcast the, we don't care about you people at that other campus. There's there's the better campus and the lesser campus. Right. Yeah. Of course, you got to hire a consulting group to tell you which campus has a higher median income, so you know which one to be at physically. Wow. Absolutely. Right. Once that's de- determined, though, I guess this is my question, and I think we should really throw us and kick it around and get into it. What kind of competition do they use to decide which small group attendees go to which campus? Everybody wants to be at the good one, but there's just not room. It wouldn't be a small group anymore. Somebody's going to have to get David's videotape discussion leading, which I really like the idea of attempting to do the interactive discussion via pre-recorded videotape. Sure. Referring to people that are not in the room. Right, right, and, right. You know, answering questions that have not been brought up. So, Thanks for your question, Sally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, the queue came a little early. Now, so here's, here's Hi, our- my name is Sally. <laughs> I have a question. <laughs> So based on all that, here's you know everybody's going to want to be in the good group. They're all going to want that. But how right. do we decide? I can only presume it's a Hunger Games style wow. scenario. Well, you got to keep out the riffraff. Well, exactly. I, think we're there. Right. I will set it up. To this may sound foreign to some of you, but um, Glenn and Jed have an ongoing obsession with the good one. The Just good, the good uh, one. we got to go. What restaurant? Give me. We got to go to the good one. Yes. Yes. You know, piece you of what? chicken at dinner. Give me the good one. I'm going to yeah. tell the good this, elliptical. Right? The good. If you go one. to the gym and you don't get the good machine, and somebody's on your machine, it's like why did I even bother? You, you got to tell that dude. All right, you know what? Time's up. 
Yeah, beat it. <laughs> beat it. This is this is chronic. Every restaurant we go to, there's the good booth, right? The good machine, the yep. good spot, the right. good yeah. Yeah, you got you got to get to a spot. So you got to get in the good campus. You got to get in the good campus. How are we going to decide? Okay, first of all, it's golden ticket. Okay, okay, do I have to explain everything? But in order to get the golden ticket, you clearly have to participate in some sort of mandatory octagon death match. Clearly, okay. We have to. So we've got the Golden Ticket Hunger Games and a horrifying mashup of children's literature. <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to tell you: is you got to you have to prove your your worth. You no see doubt. what I'm saying? So I think if you look at any two people that go to this small group, and you say, "Here, just run a simulation. Set them down at like a table, like a sure. kitchen table." And then just put, like, a butcher knife in the middle of the table. Right. And then just have somebody blow a whistle. Steal the And then just see what happens. Sure, absolutely. You could also slice this another way. You could have kind of a, a, like, a a theological Olympics, you know? Okay. Okay. And, you know, you you pair off into groups of two, and then, you know, and, and then you have some kind of some kind of theologically based, some kind of biblically based, ministry based competitions, you know, like the way you would do an old school, you know, Boy Scout roundup kind of things. People are tying knots, people are lighting fires, that kind of stuff. You do some kind of ministry version of that. And the other thing is, once you determine, uh, you know, who's in what group, wherever David is leading the discussion, the, the, the satellite campus has to have a countdown clock for when they're taking prayer requests and stuff like that, because you got to end that Right on the money for when David's uh, live feed goes live. Exactly right. If right. you don't get those prayer requests in time, they don't count. No doubt. Right. That's God saved. only listens when the mic's hot, dude. That's uh, that's in the Bible. That's in the the you know. But here, that's uh, in our megachurch covenant, which is kind of like I'm, the Bible. I'm throwing this into the mix. Say that trivia. Okay. Oh wow. Okay. okay. That's good. I've got. I mean, also put this in there. If you don't like it, you know what? You send it right back. Okay. Can you identify any of the references that Jed or I are making? No, I can answer that. That'd be a it, tough game for anybody under thirty. Yeah, you know, just anybody. <laughs> We're with old, a, Glenn. We'll give them. We'll give them a week and a, and free access to Google. Can you? <laughs> we can have you literally gotten of, emails that say, "I tried googling that string of words and wow. still came up with nothing." <laughs> can you just tell me what they well, meant? Can you also? Selling? Can they? Like, can you pair people off and they have to play the say that video game against each other, and then yeah. the winner goes to the good group, and then the loser goes to the satellite campus. I think that's a possibility. Yeah. It's very very good. Yeah, competitive gaming. I like it. Yeah, I like it. We know this makes me wonder. I think we can bring a lot of this together. You're right. familiar with chess boxing? No. So to, is, I'm not making this up. It's a real thing. Um, in Russia. In Russia. Guys will box for a round. Okay. Then they'll sit down and both do a couple rounds of chess moves. Uh, timing uh-huh. with the clink boxes. Zachary, back to the boxing match. Back to the chess board. It's chess boxing. I see. All right? Because it challenges your body and your brain. And by challenges your brain, I mean it's repeated concussive blows to your brain, which are really very bad and very challenging for it. Okay, so what we can do is say that trivia, yes. Theology off, yes. But in between, rounds of boxing. Rounds? Well, Jed, you seem to be intent on introducing physical violence in this group. Oh, I am. I insist on it. I want to do this one, though. You want this one? So so you're maybe kind of the old Auditory medium. You're talking about the windmill? No, no, we're going to focus on this one and then moving his arms. I like the one that does this. (laughs) Auditory medium. Glenn, (laughs) do you want to give give that fellow a cauliflower ear? (laughs) Well, Glenn is miming... The pugil sticks from American Gladiators. <laughs> Thank you. Google that one, friends. But that, also- involved, that tells us a couple of things. One, it was a very good mime. And two, I spent too much time with Glenn. <laughs> yeah. well, and earlier we were suggesting a steal the bacon-esque competition with a meat cleaver. And so- Steal the bacon sounds like a metaphor for something we probably don't want to be... Um, <laughs> there just, are so many things I'm not saying. Yes, sir, Mr. Mr. Younger. It's just a game, Matt. It's just a game. Okay, man. Would you like <laughs> to play a game? <laughs> uh, I well, think... that's a that's a traffic jam of too many awful things. So um, <laughs> Here's what let's I'm... go back to the least awful thing that's been mentioned yet, which somehow is cage fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. Put them all in the cage. Yeah. 
first guy yeah. to ask a girl you know out you're on pitching an fight date. church here yeah, yeah. the first yeah. guy to yeah. ask an actual girl out on an actual date <laughs> yes yes vip all access status yes behind a velvet rope my man octagon speed dating octagon speed dating <laughs> 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 See, this is my, I have a lot of things I like about this podcast, but this is my personal favorite. It's the way that we take good news yeah. that is both encouraging and, if we're going to be honest, a little bit flattering, Absolutely. and find a way to turn it into something awful yeah. every time. Yeah. And somehow that's manage true. to scandalize Matt. Yes. And that's yes. really the best part of all. part of my brain. People often say, you know, one of the things I like about the podcast is it feels like I'm just kind of sitting down chatting with you guys. And that's what it's like to sit down and talk <laughs> with us. Yes. Somebody brings in the meeting. Hey, good news. We got we got ten guys from this residential program coming to the bridge tonight. It takes about thirty seconds to turn that into some horrifying, awful, fantasyful scenario. It's like you remember in Star Trek the original series where Spock Of course I remember Star Trek the original series. Okay, where Spock and 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 and, and Yes, uh, I do, guy who repeatedly calls us nerds. Captain <laughs> Kirk they had, remember they had to fight each other? Yeah, of course, dude. Exactly like that. Just like that. That's how you get into the good one. Yeah, totally. I'm down. You know what I mean? Yeah. That way, it, it, it it's meaningful. Well, look, if I may, um, I just want to put it out there. David, I feel like we've really dispensed a lot of wisdom here. Yep. We've given you kind of a growth strategy. Yep. In that, we have served as consultants. Um, yep. It feels awkward to have to bring this up in a public setting, but uh, that wisdom don't come cheap. That's so right. I think the going rate for megachurch consultants is like tens of thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah, if you want to get the chump ones. I mean, you know, and we're willing to be chumps because... Sure. The shoe fits. But so, um, yeah, if you could go ahead, let's call it 20. Right. You go, round numbers. Yeah, just, you know, and this is the other thing is all invoices not paid in full within the next five minutes double. So, right. gosh, sorry. I know that's tough, but it's just, it's a tough economy. So 40 and maybe by the time you hear this, 80 and yeah, just. Uh, well, and you got to have the exchange rate over to internet dollars. Exactly right. Because you know, once you transfer it to internet dollars, it, it goes up. It, yeah. it certainly does. It certainly does. So, you know, call us. and uh, that's you know. how we cash everything out is out of internet dollars. Well, absolutely. Yeah. We, that's, got the, we got them piled up. They have nowhere to go but up. That's the, Let me tell you what. Internet dollars, how can they go down? Please. Just all you're getting is more internet. It's a smart, solid investment. That's right. So, like, 30 million internet dollars. There you sure. Go. Well, I think we did actually probably solve Dave and Lauren's um, problem in one way, which is I can't imagine anybody listening to this for the first time is ever encouraged to listen again. So, probably don't have to worry about growth of the Say That Small group. <laughs> if anything, we've horrified off probably some existing members. So, you're welcome. Yeah. Fight to the our death. Own. And I also like that... Not that long ago, we mocked Fight Church, and now Glenn's trying to bring it now up as an incredible set, as a viable strategy. And if you do that, and there is a double nutshot knockout like there was in the original <laughs> Fight Church, please video it and send us to it. Send Finish it to us. him. <laughs> if somebody does the double Fight Church knockout with Mortal Kombat music over it, I will. I'm just. I will offer my sword to that person for life. Yeah, that'd be all right. Dave and Lauren also support Bridgebox. That's another reason they're our favorites. Now, who can say if they'll continue to do that after the uh, three-way unhinged rant that just almost (laughs) put out to ruin their small group? But if you want the small group experience, you can get the Bridgebox Bible studies. The no screens involved, just, you know, we'll see the Bible studies. You fill them out. You can email Glenn with your thoughts. Absolutely. He'd love you to hear from No you. thoughts he'll reply, but we there's a four-week format of Bible study in every Bridgebox. That's all stuff we've learned from doing the work we do on the streets, and that's what Bridgebox is for. It goes to support that. It helps us hire part-time employees who otherwise would have no way to get missionary funding to help us out in our service. It helps service grow. helps us help more people. helps us have those guys and gals around us more so we can minister to them. It's the most ministry bang you'll ever get for eight dollars a month. You can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox and get some cool stuff for yourself. All right, we're gonna jump to our first question here. If you have a question for us, you can hang out with us all the way to the end and I'll give you the addresses where you can get in touch. First one coming anonymously with our Tumblr box and it says How can you meet up slash get to know several different single men at a time without as without feeling as though you are the bachelorette? Jed wants to start us off. Well, I think this is a great question. I, I think it's actually a really cool goal. Um, uh, you know, to not what? be the bachelorette. Well, not being the bachelorette is definitely a good goal. But I think 
saying, how do I get to know people of the opposite sex and, and kind of, you know, get a sense of, you know, what kind of person is this and whatnot? I, I think that's actually a good goal. Um, I think there's, there's two things that you'll need in order to pull that off. The first is you will have to take the initiative. Um, you, you will have to initiate all of these conversations and interactions because they're not going to happen otherwise. So uh, if you're not okay with that, we can scratch that idea off the list now. That's thing number one. Thing number two, and this is actually kind of even more important than the first one, is you're going to need to be crystal clear about what this interaction is and is not. Yeah, let, right. me ex- let me explain what I mean. We live in a culture at this point, both Christians and non-Christians, that is just... Um, insane when it comes to anything dated, anything relating dating. And in particular, it is so juvenile. Uh, it mm. just, you know, I mean, there's so little adult behavior in, in the true sense of that word, meaning mature and, and, and um, grown. So if you go to a guy and say, hey, uh, you seem like a cool dude. Uh, we should get coffee sometime, get to know each other better. He's probably going to perceive that as you have a romantic interest in him and this is kind of a pre-date. That's Mm -hmm. pretty much the way he's going to read that. Um, Now, uh, uh, you you might think, well, I didn't tell him that that's what this is, so isn't it kind of weird that he would think that? Well... Yeah, but that's still what he's what he's going to think. So if you and if you're okay with him thinking that, that's no problem. But if you want to be able to say, you know, I'm I'm new in town and I'd like to meet a number of people, and you know, um, you know, three or four people I'd like to meet and just get to know them better and whatnot. The key thing is giving very very clear context. So for example, you could you could say something very akin to that, which is, you know, I've I've started as a new church for me. I'm I'm just getting to know people. Um, you know, uh, just as a purely just getting to know people thing, you seem like a cool person, love to grab a cup of coffee. Uh, it, I, I don't mean that in any kind of romantic way. I'm actually just trying to meet people and just get to know people. I love to do that sometime if you, if you think you might be interested. Okay, that's thing one. Then thing two is to add in the following cues. Um, make it not be a dinner thing, like lunch in the middle of the week would be really good, or like coffee in the middle of the afternoon. Um, uh, keep it light and chill. The other thing that you can do is to intentionally organize some group activities where you're able to get some good interaction with people in kind of a, a group context. Here's why all this is important. Again, people, because we live in a society again, and this is, Christians are super guilty on this. Um, if you initiate a one-on-one interaction with a member of the opposite sex, they're going to perceive that as a romantic thing unless you explicitly, explicitly, explicitly state to the contrary. Right. This is, this is not what that is. Now, you might say, well, that would feel really kind of rude and kind of weird, and um, it's, it's not. Um, and if you say, hey, uh, new in town, into this church, just meeting people, uh, I'd love to you know, get to know you and tell me what this church is like and whatnot. And um, you know, uh, just to be clear, I, I don't mean this is a romantic thing. I really am just trying to get to know people. There are people that will not be okay with that. There, there are people that will be weird about that and have a problem with that. Don't hang out with them. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's no problem. But I think, again, the two things to look at here is you'll have to take the initiative if you want to do that. And you'll have to be crystal clear about what this is and isn't. If you're not okay with either of those things, that's no problem because uh, those are both kind of uncomfortable things. But you will need both of those to pull this off. Um, and very, very strongly. It won't work without both of those. Uh, and I want to just underscore this. If you initiate conversations with a bunch of dudes and don't make it clear what this is, it, it will not end well. Right. Um, so just consider yourself warned. That's absolutely right, Glenn. Can you talk us through kind of the idea that um, one of the reasons to not feel like you're on a reality show for having lunch with several people is that's not that out of the realm of uh, possibility or um, that's really not that abnormal. Yeah, absolutely, Ron. I think it, uh, there there's some of us who are uh, super, super, super old. Uh, and back uh, particularly in, in my mother's day uh, – it was a good thing to date as many as po- people as possible. Now there wasn't physical activity happening yeah. in some in, in these relationships, but it was the, the idea was you were doing. It was good, a good idea to date this boy on Monday, this boy on Tuesday, this one on Wednesday, and it's and all it was is they're taking them to the soda shop or their whatever, a but, malted, or get a malted, you know. But the idea was. We're getting to know who we would really like to have a serious relationship with at some point 
one of those guys would say, I'd like to go steady with you or whatever and, and, and be exclusive. And then you have a more serious relationship. In essence, it's kind of a job application or job yeah. interview. Now, and we've talked about this before. You know, one of the things that sounds really corny towards all this uh, is speed dating. Sure. But if you actually look at the science behind it, it's actually a great idea. It's sure. a great way of meeting people. Uh, a lot of research suggests you decide, you're, you get an impression about somebody right away, sure. just their demeanor, the way they hold themselves, the way they communicate. You pick up on that st- stuff super quick. Uh, the idea of meeting a whole bunch of different people and getting yeah. sort of a wide range of what's out there and so forth, all that, fantastic. So I think that's a... I, I think it's great to get to know people. But as Jen's saying, we do want to give that disclaimer of you have some people who have heard such awful stuff about dating that if you're not that per- one of those people, chances are the people, just by the odds, yeah. chances are a significant number of the ones you are looking to date have heard that yeah. awful stuff. So just, just by the odds, as Jen's saying, we have to find a way uncool and weird as it may be and sort of stilted and artificial as it may sound to say this hey, is not a date this is not a date i just just getting <laughs> to know people here don't 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 uh you know i'm not excluding it as a possibility for the future i just i just want to get to know people um uh, but but part of what i would also add to what judd is saying here is if you are writing this in because you have more than one guy that you're interested in and maybe more than one guy that you're talking to right now, and you don't know anybody else that has just one person that they're interested in and they're talking to, and that feels wild and crazy to you. Mm -hmm. If you're writing this in because you're in your late 20s to early 30s, let's say, and you've never really had a real boyfriend relationship with anybody, then here's what we're going to need you to do. We're going to need you... To look, you know, find a mirror, go home, find a mirror, look in, look yourself in the eye and say, I got horrible advice about dating. I need to start over. Yeah. I know nothing, and that's okay. We, we can fix that. That's where everybody starts. But what I think I know is all horribly, 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 horribly wrong, and that's how I've gotten where I am. So I can't try and live according to yeah. what I've heard. So far, I can't negotiate with what I've heard so far. I can't modify what I've heard so far and move forward because what I what I have heard up to now has crippled me mm. in my ability to date. So I have to come against it and rebuke it in order to move forward. Here's why I'm telling you this: is chances are you're going to have to find a guy who has the same attitude towards what he's heard about yeah. dating. Can we both agree that we heard a lot of weird stuff and can we just start over just the two of us and try to figure out what we want this to be? Yeah. I think you'd be way better off, but you can't try and and say, well, they have a viewpoint, we have a viewpoint, everybody has a viewpoint. There's lots of different ways to see it and purity and la la la. Mm-hmm. It's it, it, when you when you've swallowed poison, you have to you have to treat that situation as right. if you've swallowed some poison and act accordingly to get it out of your system in order to move forward. You're absolutely right. I think one of the things we're looking at here is, um, as you guys have both pointed out, being clear in a situation where you may not internally have a lot of clarity. There's a difference between you know getting to know people, meeting up, dating, all that stuff. And Glee, can you kind of talk us to, through maybe what those different um, what those different levels entail, and maybe the danger of jumping to one too quickly? Yeah, definitely. I think a huge part of this is is exactly what you're saying, Matt. That you you have to figure out what it is that you want. Um, yeah. I, I think that I, I completely agree with where Jed and Glenn are coming from on this thing. That you know you have to be clear if what if all you want to do is to get to know people. I think it's highly possible that you don't know that yourself. That that that's, yeah. that that's yeah. and and one of the reasons. And and let me be completely. Uh, up front on this, one of the reasons that you might not know that is that every single thing that you've ever seen is uh, is telling you that you uh, that that the experience that you can expect is that you hang out with 
um, you know, that you are into two or maybe even three guys at once, and then you make your pick from one of those guys that are all falling in love with you at the same time. The reason I say that is because uh, we are in like the whatever, you know, how, however many seasons of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette there are. And uh, Glenn and I were actually having a conversation at a restaurant uh, recently, and he said uh, that he was talking to somebody recently and said, I want you to try and think of a movie, a romantic movie, where the plot is not two guys have fallen for the same girl. Go ahead and try. And no one has ever thought of one that that wasn't the plot. And sometimes the plot is, it's not two guys, it's three guys have fallen for the Mm. same girl. And so Mm. all that to say, you might not know that the only thing I'm looking for is just to get to know people and I'm not interested. A lot of people think, well, this is the way this works. You keep a lot of people on the string, you keep a lot of people on the line, and then you, you you talk to several people, you flirt with different people, you go out with different people, and then you make your choice. And the thing is, is that nobody really wants to be treated that way in the real world. Um, the, this is not a reality show and this is not the way this thing works. And so I think a huge part of this is finding out, do I want to just learn how dating goes? Uh, do in the old school way, like Glenn was talking about, like it used to be back in the day, do I want to just simply get to know some people in a new town or a new church or whatever, or am I looking for a relationship? And if that's the case, if I'm looking for a relationship and I want to try that part out, then you need to introduce some exclusivity into that. And that right. needs to be uh, that needs to be on Front Street right there. That needs to be uh, you yeah. know that I am not going to wh- while I'm trying this uh, this relationship out, I'm not going to be flirting with, hanging out with, texting, dating somebody else while we're trying to figure this out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But that is something that you need to seriously look at and be honest inside yourself. What am I looking for? Am I looking for a serious relationship? Mm-hmm. Am I looking to just get to know some people? Because if I'm looking for a serious relationship, then I don't need to keep three or four people on the line over here. It was mm-hmm. a great point. One of the things I would close this out as we look at this is there's a, a phrase that Glenn uses a lot called that says the opposite of bad idea is another bad idea. That means yeah. if you are doing something one way that's not working to go 180 degrees in the opposite direction and sprint at that, probably not going to work either. Now, as we pointed out, there Christians have some massive... Uh, culturally weird ideas about dating, a lot of that manifests in just no dating. Yeah. Right. Somehow just get married when you're a sophomore in college without ever dating anyone. Right. And then probably don't touch each other for like three years after that just to be right. safe. That's the best one. That's really that's really how it's holy. So that's, you know, as we've, there's a lot of actual statistical and sociological evidence on top of just stuff people tell us, uh, that's not working. Yeah. Mm. That's not working on like a marriage age moving back by several years level. But, the answer to that is not date as many people as you can all the time and make your the the answer to dating not having a place in your life is not make your life all about dating. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I would warn against this. And all these guys some great advice. You know, if you say, you know, I'm new in town, I'm just gonna start to date it, and I want to try to hang out with somebody once what once a week. Doesn't have to be the same person, but just somebody once a couple times a week, or go to lunch with someone, go to coffee with someone. It's great. And now you don't want to say I've not dated. I'm 25 now. Now dating. Yeah. Now we will do dating. I will because then you end up in a situation where you thought you scheduled dinner dates for two different days, but it's on the same day, and you got to run back for the restaurant. I may be thinking of an episode of Friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? Just you know, healthy. A health. We talk about a healthy dating life a lot in this show, and part of that means is kind of the a healthy anyone's life, the proper proportion for you to have this in your life. And it's not healthy for it to have no place in your life if you're a he- healthy adult of dating age. But it's also not he- not proportion for you to have it be your whole life. And that's where we get into the bachelor thing, where yeah. we just define ourselves by dating. So really, those are two pretty far away left and right limits, and. You'll find a way to dial it in between those, but we just want to be mm. careful not to go to those. All right. Next question came into Glenn's Tumblr inbox. It's very popular. Very, very popular. Wow. Wow, Jim. If that sounded like a man being cattle prodded, there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> it says, hey there, Uncle Glenn. Love the blog. Because it's very popular. Mm. And, I'm actu- and I'm totally a Say That super fan. Say that and superfan all capitalized as well they should be. Nicely done. Mm. In my state, they have just legalized marijuana, and all the kids my age are very excited. Meanwhile, in the past, all I've heard about 
all kinds of nasty stuff about marijuana, but lately it's all, it's not that addicting. It's totally natural and whatever and whatever. Is marijuana smoking actually a big deal? Was I just given a lot of scare tactics on it? Like I was on a lot of other things. See previous question. What should I say to my friends who want to try it? And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Uh, first of all, I, I think oh, almost without a doubt, you've heard things that are more based on scare tactics than than reality. There's been a lot of that out on, on uh, marijuana and other drugs for many years. I mean, that, that was the drug education program when I was in school. <laughs> right. Reefer madness. <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, we've we've all seen just the the massively overcooked. Uh, Jimmy tried marijuana once, and then he ate his dog. Yeah. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the thing with particularly with marijuana is it, it's one of those things that's similar to the environmentalist thing, where one side is going to believe one side no matter what and will find science to back up their side. And it's the same thing with uh, marijuana. Uh, There's one person and one person only that I trust to give me the 100% unvarnished truth on that and that will absolutely follow the science uh, that has, uh, has at this point, uh, pissed off everybody, which really makes me happy, is a gal by the name of Nora, N-O-R-A Volkoff. Uh, that's how she pronounces it. It's V-O-L-K-A-W. She uh, works uh, for a department of the National Institutes of Health that is in charge of studying the uh, physical side of addiction, what happens to your body's physiology when you are addicted. Um She's done groundbreaking work in the area of how dopamine works in in conjunction with addiction. I won't go into that here, but uh, you ought to look her name up. She's got a lot of stuff on YouTube that you can read. Bless her. She's got a a a, a Mexican accent that is is rich and thick, uh, so it can be a little tough with very. Uh, uh, um, highfalutin uh, neurological terms and the Spanish accent uh, is, is is a challenge. But uh, she's given us a lot to chew on in terms of how dopamine works in the body and how uh, it creates neural connections and what's happening on a neurological level with addiction. A lot of uh, uh, studies that have been done on marijuana, uh, serious studies up till now, have been uh, to look at its impact on our hormones and our hormonal system. Again, without going deep into the science, it it definitely shows a lot of that uh, is bad news. Now, generally speaking, that's a function of using a whole lot of marijuana over quite a little bit of time. But, you know, um, that wouldn't be a totally casual user or someone experimenting and so forth. However, the the research that... uh, that she's recently brought to light uh, shows that, uh, first of all, that marijuana is addicting. So we can throw that one out there. That's We have absolutely solid proof on that. Uh, those numbers are around, if I remember correctly, they're around 9% for adults. Uh, for teenagers, that runs a little bit higher uh, into, I believe, 12%, uh, maybe 13%. Uh, and it does a lot more lasting damage to people the younger they start mm. it, when they start taking it. Uh, so it's very much a no-no for very young kids to be taking it. Um, uh, it it's, it's bad for your system, dude. And we all know this. Yeah. And we all have had to admit it. Now, the same woman that I'm telling you about, Nora Volkoff, will say that um, that one of the, uh, the, the, you know, that, that, uh, there are medicinal substances within the marijuana plant that we may eventually use to treat all kinds of neurological problems. Right. So you think, oh, that means that weed's really good for you. Right. And she's saying, no, actually it's the, you know, sort of unregulated, uncontrolled, a uh, 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 use of it uh, that is you're 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 hijacking your your brain's normal functioning by by using uh, weed in in uh, in a way where it's not intended to to be used. 
and therefore um, it's it's poison for you. Uh, we'd all like to be the cool people that say, "Hey, man, it's just weed. It's it's just cool, and it's no big deal, man." Um, it's not. It's it, we all work uh, with guys who are involved in addiction. Uh, and I'll I'll say one last thing, and I'll kick it around. Uh, there, uh, when when we're talking about a ten percent addiction, we're talking about if I said here's this, it'll make you feel woozy. It might make you feel hungry. It may make you feel super paranoid. But if it doesn't do all that, you might feel kind of warm and fuzzy and nice a little bit for a little while, and then that'll totally wear off. But that's the plus side. The downside is there's a one in ten chance and they completely ruin your life. The, uh, no one in their right mind would 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 try that. Uh, the second thing is um, the research. It, it, uh, we often kind of joke about weed being a, a, a gateway drug, but the research shows that it absolutely doesn't give us enough of a big long lasting satisfying high and that we tend it, we tend to use weed to graduate to those other drugs now if i become addicted to cocaine when i started with weed does that mean that in a sense that was one addiction that just started with one substance mm -hmm. and i landed on another i think that's that's research that's yet to be done but dr volkov's science suggests that if you start with weed and ended with anything it's one addictive pattern. It doesn't, the, the substance is not uh, necessarily the thing uh, because the addiction works similar regardless of the substance. Um, uh, but uh, that being a real thing is very important because you have to understand the impact of these harder drugs on your system is for real, real mm. serious and no kidding, way out of control. So. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely right. It's a good look at some a uh, lot of stuff that does not get brought up in this. Um, as Glenn pointed out, the discussion about these kind of things tends to be very either um, you will 100% end up living on the street because of all the marijuana or it's fine mm -hmm. with very little uh, middle ground. I think Glenn gives us some good stuff, some good science to actually point in the middle ground. Chad, can you maybe walk us through a little bit? So that handles, uh, I think that puts a pretty clear light on the how sh is it a big deal um, what do you, what would you say? Cause we do work with addicts to her quest, this person's question of, okay, now what do I say to my friends? How do I act towards people who want to give it a shot now that it has some, some newness to it? Is that a big deal that someone wants to deal with it? What's my attitude there? Mm. Well, I think one of the things that we want to be clear on, he said that the kids your age are excited. Well, um, teenagers and young adults are excited about anything that pisses off mom and dad. Hello. Hello. So, uh, that, that's not really about it being marijuana that's just about something that will annoy their parents um and and that's fine that's that's the nature of being a teenager um i think that you know you said it glenn said it it's true we all tend to um want to be in a camp we're, we're for it or again it um mm -hmm. you know it's either you know it's either the worst thing imaginable or it's you know absolutely nothing wrong with it in any way well, neither of those things is actually true. And if you're wondering what your attitude should be towards other people, um, it's a lot. The, part of the reason why people tend to fall in one of those camps is because it's a lot easier to know what your attitude should be towards others on a subject when you're in a camp. Mm -hmm. um, sure. When you're in a camp, it's I'm against it. That's my attitude. Or right. oh, it's great. Everybody should do it. Right. That's right. And part of the reason is it, nuance and subtlety are very difficult. Yeah, they they take a lot of work. Well. The, the problem is that I think your attitude here is going to need to have some subtlety and nuance to it. So let me let me break it down for you. Um, what Glenn has said is absolutely true. Um, this is not physically good for you, right. um, like at all. And um, there is a chance that it could cause, you know, it might not be, you know, a stratospheric chance, but there's a chance that it could cause you some significant problems in your life. But, of course, someone could say the exact same thing about saturated fats, Right. Um, uh, right. someone could certainly say the same thing about anything with nicotine in it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, cigarettes Definitely. or you know, chewing tobacco or, or pipe tobacco, any of that. They could say the same thing about alcohol. Um, mm -hmm. and they, they'd be, alcohol is very tough to kick actually. Yeah. I mean, for, for advanced alcoholics. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's rough stuff. So it's one of these things where normally, um, weed is fairly easy to talk about in the United States because Christians are called to obey the law. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in most states, in 47 states in the United States, it's illegal. So you shouldn't be using it if you're a Christian. It's not whether it's addictive or not. It's just this is against the law. So you're called to honor the laws of the land and the law of the land says don't do this. That's that. Um, what Christians are going to want to talk about is, is this a sin? If it's mm-hmm. if it's legal, is it a sin? The answer is probably not. Depends what right. you're doing with it. Uh, the, the Bible says it's okay to drink. It's not okay to get drunk. Right. Um, it's, it's drawing a nuanced distinction there. Jesus drank. Um, right. Paul tells Timothy to have a little wine to help his stomach. Right. But it clearly says to not be drunk on wine. Um, is it possible to smoke a very small amount of weed here and there in the same way that a person you know might have a cold beer at the end of a long week? Sure, yeah, it's it's possible. I mean, you, 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 it's a weird thought, but you know, could you regulate the amount of THC way down? It's sure. been systematically bred to be way way higher. Sure, it, it'd be a weird thing to do to make it be that but you know but i guess it's conceivable well and actually kind of culturally you know uh, uh my, my wife actually has lived for many years in europe and that's very you know if you go into you know kind of cafes in amsterdam it's a fairly common thing you you mm-hmm. go and have a little you know smoke and then you move on with your day you're, you're not there to get burnt mm-hmm. you're there to you know the same way the person would have a beer and move on with their day right. you're, you're doing that it would be very difficult to call that a sin um, um, and it would be very hard scripturally to make a case for that being a sin. That said, and again, we're talking subtlety and nuance here, there are a couple of other things to look at. The first is, if you're causing everyone around you to stumble by doing that, then I think we do want to look at that. And here's, here's, what, I, here's what I mean when I say that. I've never known a weed smoker that didn't want everyone in the world to know that they smoke weed thank you i have never for the love of all that is decent just keep it it to yourself yes Yes. i smoked something i'd like to tell you about it do you like to see my pot necklace and my pot uh uh wallet with velcro on it and bless your hearts. You know, I thought about having a personality, but instead I just use this. To not not to beat up on the weed heads, but you'll see Christians do the exact same thing with alcohol. You know, I drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> no one cares. Right, just right. shut up about it. Right. Um, I say that to say, um, if you, it's between you and the Lord if you drink. Um, right, it's right. it. One cannot make a biblical argument that it's a sin to consume alcohol. That said, if you're broadcasting your drinking habits, you are causing a stumbling block for people that struggle with alcoholism. Mm-hmm. That's there, there's, there's there's no way around that. Yep. Similarly, people we do work with a lot of people caught in addiction. For most of them, weed was their starting point, mm-hmm. and addictive behavior is a cycle. It's a complex. Mm-hmm. It's an interwoven web of behaviors. It's not just well, my last drug was crack but still if i'm around weed smoking that's going to get me into all this other stuff it's not i can't separate it out in that sense so if i'm broadcasting as a christian if i'm broadcasting my weed usage i am creating a stumbling block for other people there's just no way around that and that would be a sin that would be a wrong thing here's here's where we land with all this in terms of you know the attitude and the subtlety and the nuance can a christian in a place where it's legal consume a very small amount of marijuana similar to a person who has a drink now and then in moderation um, and have that be a totally fine thing. Yeah, I imagine that's that'd be something to pray about and ask ask the Lord, but I could, I could certainly see that being something that, that could exist and be no problem. The thing that I would want to ask you about on it, and the thing, the thing I'd encourage you to think about is What's your motivation here? Hello. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. your motivation? That's the whole question here. If so, for example, um, uh, uh, I do on occasion um, consume alcohol. Uh, I uh, not very much, very often. But part of that is because I'm interfacing with people in the entertainment industry where that's what's going on. That's the coin right. of the realm. That's the social thing. It would actually be a weird. And not in a good witness way. It would be an off-putting thing if, you know, they're having a beer and I say, I'd like an orange juice, please. Right, right, that right. that would actually be a weird thing there. That wouldn't that wouldn't be a good thing. There are other situations where it would be the right thing to say, hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'll stick with water. That's that's cool. Um 
if the goal is, say, if, if the motivation is, I've got work that I'm doing here, I've got a thing that I'm trying to do here, sure, yeah, I'll, I'll have a course light, whatever, which is not good beer, um, then that's, that's one thing. If the goal is, I've got problems in my life that I'm trying to hide from, um, that I'm trying, I need an escape, because i got things I don't... In that case, it doesn't matter if it's marijuana or right. alcohol right. or pornography right. or anything else. Exactly right. If we're using a thing to escape from and not address our problems that thing is bad for us that's right the end right if your motivation is you know uh, i'm going to do it in privacy and nobody will really know and it's in moderation and i just happen to enjoy the sensation and uh, i just there's no addiction to my family no particular risk pray it through it's between you and the lord i think right. it's certainly in their own possibility for a whole lot of people, and this certainly tends to be true for a lot of young people, their motivation is either I'm trying to escape from my problems or I'm trying to convince other people to like me. That also is not right. a good motivation. Well, and, and coupled with that is the idea of everybody's talking about, I want to see what the what the big deal is. Sure. Here's the thing. It's not. Yeah. I mean, if you can't take my word for it, here's the thing. You've been sick before. You took NyQuil before. That was it. It's kind of like that. That's it. There, there, there's. It's, it's not. You're, you're not riding on the unicorn with the thing and the, in, in, in the rainbow and yeah. the, you know, it's, it, it's not the dawning of the age of Aquarius. You just feel a little woozy and you feel a little warm and giddy, and you get all mellow, and you're profoundly screwing up your biology, and, uh, you know. If, if you if you have to do that once just to satisfy your curiosity, I guess, but there actually isn't anything to discover. Sure. You know? That's all right. Lee, you want to close out on this one? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would just pick up where Jeb was ending off on this. And, and specifically, there's a place in Ephesians chapter 5 where the Apostle Paul, it's, it's the verse that Jeb mentioned, the uh, do not get drunk on wine, be filled with the Spirit. And what's really interesting is that word, um, you know, when you look at the Greek word for the word drunk in that, in, in that verse, uh, the word that Paul uses is a Greek word, methaneske. And what he's saying is, He's saying, look, everybody's got problems, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to get chemically altered as a way to medicate yourself from those problems. Um, he says, instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then he kind of lines out what that looks like. To be filled with the Spirit is, he talks about so, you know, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, making melody in your heart, serving one another, uh, and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And he says, this is actually how you deal with the problems and how you... Th- th- he says, basically, there's no problem with wanting to escape from your problems, but you escape from them in the Lord. I mean, they're repeatedly over and over and over again in the scriptures, the Lord says, I am a refuge. I am your escape. I'm the place that you go when you need to when, when you need to run because you're hurting and you, you've got a problem you need to deal with. You come to me for that. I will take care of that. I can actually solve your problem. But when we're medicating our problems um, and, and running from them to, you know, by getting chemically altered or whatever, w- with whatever it is, whether it's weed or, or drink or like, like Jed's saying, the problem is, is that you haven't actually solved the problem. Yeah. And uh, when you come down from that, from that chemical alteration, that methaneske that Paul's talking about, that problem's still going to be there. And in the process, you have created other problems. Yeah. Because he says that methaneske, he said, is it leads to dissipation, which is just a word that means wastefulness. And one thing is, if you ever meet uh, anyone that is an addict, that's the thing that you'll find is they all have in common is that they waste things. They waste relationships. They waste money. They waste, uh, you know, they waste jobs. They waste everything. This is the thing is they're, they're throwing, they're throwing stuff away. The problems aren't getting solved. You're throwing stuff away. And the Lord is saying, if you will come to me, I will not only solve all those problems, but I will be an escape for you. And so I think it does, as Jed's saying, it all comes down to that, that motivation thing. And I think it, it's, it's kind of cool because, you know, at the time that Paul was writing the book of Ephesians, people weren't talking about marijuana, but he has, in writing that verse in the way he did, he has a word for us on this issue, even though this mm-hmm. issue has come up so much later in the game. 
That's a really interesting point. All right, we're going to move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously at our Tumblr, and it says, how should Christians handle setbacks? If you don't get the job or don't graduate in the time you thought you would or a relationship flames out, what is the right attitude to have and the right way to process all the emotions that come up? And Lee, why don't you kick us off? Um, the first thing I would say is that um, you, you should know from the outset that when you have setbacks, you should get ready to have some funky emotions about that. Yeah, that's definitely um, true. You're, you are going to feel... Like, I screwed up somewhere along the line, or you're going to feel like a loser, or you're going to feel a temptation to compare yourself to somebody else who those who those setbacks have not occurred to. And the, the big thing for you on this is get ready when setbacks occur th- that these kinds of emotions are going to happen to me. And, you know, be honest about them, process them. If you need, if you're a person that journals or you find a a best friend and you just talk all that stuff out, get all of that stuff out, exercise all that stuff, and then get ready to reject the stuff that's not true. And especially, especially get ready to reject the idea of comparing yourself to somebody else comparing your life to somebody else. What you want to do is you want to get a plan for how to deal with those emotions as they continue to come up. I think the right attitude is to say, okay, I know I feel all this stuff from from this setback, but what is the right step for me to take right now, today, from where I am to move into the next place? Um, find people that you trust with some wisdom and and, and if you have people who reinforce those negative emotions that you feel in the middle of setbacks, you got to reject that stuff and you got to close those people out of the conversation. That's where I'd start on this. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent point. And uh, Glenn, can you kind of speak to the that idea of that initial onslaught of feelings and what you do with them? Yeah, I think uh, acknowledging them uh, to start with is good and uh, being able to discuss them with God, uh, uh, maybe keeping in mind uh, the fact that God has a really frustrating way of not operating according to our timeline. Yeah. That's good. But you know, I had a conversation, uh, this was a few years ago, with a, a pastor friend of mine. He was talking about uh, development in his church, and he said, you know, we had planned on, on uh, you know, uh, having this project done and um, we kind of laid it all out, and um, it's just not coming together, and um, uh, it's just not working out, and, um, you know, uh, we all kind of feel bad about it and what have you, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty bummed about it. I said, well, uh, when you take this anger to the Lord, what, what, uh, how does that, how does the Lord respond to it? He says, oh, I wouldn't do that. So we wouldn't do what? He says, well, I wouldn't go to God with my anger. And I said, well, why, why wouldn't you do that? He's like, well, that would be like disrespectful. Mm. I said, well, no. Uh, like, so when you read about the heroes of the faith doing that in scripture, you think that's disrespectful? And he's like, yeah, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Uh, to just, to just have a doubt and rub God's nose in it and so forth. I said, so my brother, here's what I'm trying to, you know, play this however you want, but let me just read this back to you. You're saying that you have a doubt. That is to say, maybe to be more explicit with it, you are angry with God because this is not working out. You had the choice to blame you, and you don't. You had the choice to blame other people. You're not. You're blaming God. Yeah. That has happened. Mm -hmm. Then rather than saying that is a lie, God is not to blame, you have taken the thought of God is to blame, and you've taken it and harbored it. You've given it a safe, warm place underneath a rug, Mm -hmm. and you have protected it from the light of wisdom, even human wisdom. You haven't allowed yourself to challenge this idea. You've protected it from being looked at, let alone allowing God to comment on it. And you think it would be more evil to say it out loud than to do that? I think to to harbor this 
that had this hidden doubt that you won't let God speak to. I think that's as that's 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 bad, dude. That's wrong. We we got to avoid that at all costs. Uh, yes, or can we read times in the scripture where uh, heroes of the faith are saying to, to God, "Hey, God, this done. Uh, this don't make sense. I don't like it, and I don't know when. And who's that? And whatever. Right? I don't. You know." Well, and the Lord kind of comes back and gives him a sassy response, but he's not rebuking him either. You know, he's he's saying, "Oh, well, Mr. Big Britches, if you if you want to ask a straight question, you'll get a straight answer, and that's okay. We can have that kind of relationship." But um, this idea of having an attitude that, and, and having an anger that you don't ask God about—that that is, I think, that's what we have to be concerned about. That the anger is 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 reasonable it's understandable but we can't say i we, we can't take that resentfulness and anger and blame sweep it under the rug and then pat that down mm-hmm. and then say that's what you call being faithful yeah yeah because that has nothing to do with faith whatsoever and it's an insult to people of faith everywhere to do so that's absolutely right. One of the problems with, as Glenn is saying, sweeping things under the rug and not dealing with them is they didn't tend to um, seep into every, anything and everything. Yeah. And Jed, if I get you to close out on this, of you know, rarely does an entire life get set back. Mm-hmm. You may lose the job. You may, you know, something doesn't work out at school. You get dumped, whatever. But there are other things in your life. Mm-hmm. And can you walk us through not letting a single setback kind of poison all that? Mm-hmm. I think we have a choice about the way that we view ourselves. And I think mm-hmm. we, we have a choice about the story that we're, that we're living. Um, there are a lot of people that see themselves as doomed to failure. Um, that's the story of my life is things not working out. And so every, every bad thing that happens that is a setback, it's not just a setback, it's it's proof that that's the narrative I'm in. I'm, yeah. I'm the, the tragic guy that nothing works out for. I'm the sad boy. And that's just, that's just my life. Um, we can choose also a really good Smith's album. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we can choose to see ourselves as the Bible describes us as more than conquerors. Um, and, and that we have a life where God takes us from victory to victory, uh, it may look like there are moments of defeat in there, but that just makes the next victory all the sweeter. We, we, can, we can choose to see that as the story of our lives and, and kind of um, the, the narrative that we're living, but it's, it's a choice. We, we have to go one way or the other. Most of us are tempted to view ourselves as failures and losers and people that things don't work out for. We're not uh, likely to say that out loud because it sounds really super weird to say that out loud, but... Most people actually do view themselves that way yeah. uh, deep down. And yep. so, again, every time a setback occurs, it's not just the pain of the setback. It's the pain of, see, this proves everything I feared would be true about myself. Mm. I have a theory about discouragement. I have a theory about, a, a theory about setbacks. Here's my theory. Is the thing that we are most afraid of is that God and the world and our better selves will ask us to get back up and try it again. I think that's the thing that we're most afraid of. Mm. I think, you, you know, you, you brought up relationships, you brought up job interviews. Those are both things where you put yourself out there and somebody else has to sign off on you in a sense. No one wants to do that. Nobody wants to do that. And in a way, if we could get shot down and just stop, mm. well, there's no problem. Yeah. I, can, I'm, I am a loser. I'm a reject. And, and right. I know that about myself and I can rest now. I can just chill and I can have peace in my failure because that's just my lot in life. And I think a lot of the mental and emotional gymnastics that we play with ourselves is to try and make that be the place we're going to land. I'm the failure and the reject and no one can ask me to do anything again because I tried it and it didn't work. Right. I think the thing that we're terrified of, again, is that God and people who love us and, and our better selves, by which I mean that part of us is connected to God's spirit, would say, get back up. Dust yourself off. Hello. Try it again. Hello. Go again. Yep. We had a we have a pastor who's one of my favorite people in the world. Told a story at the bridge about his son playing. I guess it would be Pee Wee League football. I mean, he's yeah. little. He's five or Seven six or years eight, old. Yeah. And he he gets knocked over for the very first time. And the kid is convinced. 
I'm going to die. I've, <laughs> I've never <laughs> felt anything like this. It's the worst thing in the world. I can't. Clearly, I'm never doing this again. Right, it's right, it's right. over. And he's it is a huge argument on the field with his dad until his dad explains one thing. Son, you know, you can knock other people over, too. Right. You can get back up. You can go in there swinging, too. You do right. know that, right? And that changes the son's whole mentality. Because right. now right. it's a different thing. Now I'm not just, a, now I'm not a victim. Now I'm not this reactive person where things happen to me. Right. Now I can make decisions and I can go and live life, in this case mm-hmm. on a football field, but I can go and put myself out there. Well, I think the thing about, Matt, to go back to your question about not letting this affect every good thing in your life is if you choose to see yourself as a person that is in control of your own life experience. I have human agency. I'm able to set goals and achieve them. I'm able to experience setbacks but not be defined by them. I'm able to get back up and in God's strength give that another try. When we choose to see ourselves that way, it doesn't have the ability to poison everything else in our lives. But if we choose that narrative, I am a failure. I always was a failure and a loser. This is just more proof of that. It will take every good thing from us and we'll actually find a way to sabotage those good things because they're evidence that that narrative is wrong and we don't want that around we want to be able to feel bad for ourselves and sit there in that sadness and not have anybody ask us to ever try anything hard ever again well i think you're absolutely right i think the way i would close that on this is to also say that you also can't let the negative um, result the setback undo everything good that may have happened in the way up to absolutely absolutely you know you don't if let's say you know for example school a school thing doesn't work out the exact way you thought it well you don't get into whatever grad school you thought that doesn't mean you didn't put in a lot of work to get to the point you are now absolutely and to un to as you're saying in the narrative of yourself mentally undo all the work that went up to this because this one thing that's kind of out of your control in another way doesn't actually do you any service gives you massive disservice to not look at that and say well i did I did all these other hard parts so I can do the next thing. It just didn't work out this time. The same way we get, unfortunately, a lot of people get that relationship idea of, you know, all right, I finally started and we dated and then it didn't work out. So with a sample size of one dating relationship, I have definitive proof. I'm not meant for relationships to the cat store. Yep. And that's just, again, not doing yourself any service. You did, you did several hard steps. Other people weren't willing to do. And some of it worked out and this one thing didn't. And now it's time to, you, as Jed's saying with that choosing to which narrative you buy into, you also kind of get to choose whether or not this is momentum or a crushing defeat. Yes. And back to what Glenn and Lee were saying, we're not saying don't feel, um, you know, the sadness or the anger, the disappointment or whatever it is of the thing. Cause those are all perfectly legitimate, but don't stay there. Yep. Right. If you're going to move forward, you got to sadness and disappointment and anger don't move you forward, actually. So you got to express those, take those for God, get rid of those, and then look at the things that allow you to kind of step on to the next thing. All right, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take you out this week. I'm talking the last question about, you know, kind of the strange move forward. This is a song Jed wrote many years ago for our guys and gals at the bridge called God Don't Let Me Quit. Excellent worship song. We're going to take you out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. Nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, you have to fight for your right to party. It's good. <laughs> it's good. God, so let me quit. Jesus, I don't have the strength unless you give me it. God, so let me go. Selling out on who I am. You were gone before your own God, so let me think I'm not welcome where you are When you're waiting at my door God, so let me sit Feeling sorry for myself When you throw me